Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode number nine. I'm your host, Derek Moore, and today we're going to be talking about bonds and interest rates and the inverse relationship that they have. You know, there's been a lot of talk about how rates are moving up to really seven and a half, eight year highs. We've also seen the short end of the curve move up quite a bit over the last year. The Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates. And so this has people talking about that inverse relationship, meaning interest rates go up, bond prices go down, interest rates go down, bond prices go up. But we've actually haven't seen an interest rate rising cycle with levels of interest rates this low. And so I thought it would be instructive, just kind of cover a little bit about why bonds move up and down on interest rates. And then it's really two big things that I think people are I don't want to say getting wrong, but they're sort of leaving out when they mention the period in the late 1970s into, I guess, you know, 1981 and 1982, the peak in bond yields that started this 30, 35, 36-year bull market in bonds. Really, there's two things that I think people are making a mistake on when they say, look, we've had periods of rising interest rates before, and bonds did pretty well. And so I'll sort of explain why they did okay back then and why this time is different. Um, so first of all, when we think about a bond and, you know, look, this is going to seem elementary for a lot of you. I'll move past this quickly, but sometimes people, if they were in the room, they, they wouldn't raise their hand and ask me. And so I'll just cover it. Remember a bond is essentially a loan when, and a bond generally one bond is equal to a thousand dollars. So think about if you were going to loan a friend of yours, a thousand dollars, and you would say, well, th- this friend has a very high propensity to pay me back. Um, and let's say I'm going to loan this person the money over five years. Maybe I charge them a certain amount of interest and I consider them a AAA rated friend because there is a very high likelihood they're going to pay me back. Well, when you think about that, think about U.S. Treasuries. U.S. Treasuries, and by the way, the 13-week slash three-month uh, U.S. Treasury bill is often used as the discount rate or the risk-free rate when you're talking about uh, something to put in a sharp ratio or or the amount of interest that you can receive with little to no uh, adverse risk. In other words, the the U.S. government has a very high propensity in its ability to pay you back because they can always print money, right? And then, of course, if you you were to loan a friend money who they're a little bit suspect, they're not AAA rated. And so you're going to charge them a little bit more interest than you would your previous friend. And by the way, the amount of years that you're going to loan them, uh, typically the longer that you loan the money, meaning let's say you loan them $1,000 and then you give them five years or 10 years or 30 years to pay you back, you don't get your principal back. So a bond essentially is a loan. And we know that governments issue bonds, corporations issue bonds, municipalities issue bonds. And one bond typically is $1,000. So they're lending uh, money out, and that $1,000 is considered the par value. The par value is what it's issued at. A bond can fluctuate in price up or down, depending upon supply and demand and interest rates and changes in interest rates. But at maturity, assuming no defaults or early call provisions, that bond would return its principal uh, to the person and you would get your money back. So you, you invest $1,000 in a bond, you're essentially loaning money, you receive interest every year. And then at the end of the term at maturity, you get $1,000 back. And so if you bought the bond higher than 1000 
well, you would get a thousand back if you bought it lower. You would make up to a thousand uh, because that's what you would get it at or back at maturity. And then most bonds will pay twice annually. So they'll pay two payments. And so let's use a 30 year US Treasury. And we'll round down 30 year Treasury rates are up a little bit over 3% right now, but let's say 3%. If you were to buy a US Treasury and buy a 30 year US Treasury, and you might say, well, why would I buy a US Treasury paying me only a little over 3% when inflation historically is, you know, two, two and a half percent? You may not. You certainly might not, not want to tie up your money. And as I explain the, the risk of interest rate fluctuations in bonds, you'll kind of see a little bit more about why that's the case. But essentially, you, you buy a bond for $1,000, if you're getting 3% a year, you're going to get 3%, uh, $30 a year for the next 30 years. And every six months, you're going to receive you know, half. Uh, every six months, you get one half. And then the second six months, you get the other. So you get $15 and then the second $15. And that's essentially what a bond is. So a bond is really just a series of cash flows. And if you remember taking finance classes or economics classes, there's this thing about the present value of future payments. And then you've got to discount those down depending upon how high or low interest rates. There's a present value for any cash flows that you receive in the future. And so we talk about interest rate risk. That all certainly plays into it. And so one of the things that you're starting to hear a little bit more about is the Fed has raised interest rates, and we've seen interest rates crop up. Uh, we know the 10-year recently traded close to 3.3%. The 30-year was around 3.4%. On a relative basis, on a historical basis, those are still really, really low. Uh, by the way, we also know, for example, the, the three-month yield is about 2.23% at the close today. And we would say, and I'll link to this episode um, in the show notes, we did an episode on the yield curve and what that means and what it means when it flattens or steepens. But we would say on a relative basis, we're still in a flat yield curve, meaning the, the yields on short duration or near-term bonds is not too far away from what you would get on very far away bonds. But the reason why interest rates matter is because what happens when interest rates changed, what happens to the market value of a bond? And so to give you an idea, and later I'll, I'll talk about how you can figure out duration or modified duration. That's, that's a way to figure out what duration or, or what the sensitivity to interest rates is going to be based upon the bond you have, the time, the price, and, and the coupon yield and, and your expected return or, or your required rate of return, which is basically what the market is currently requiring for that term. But to give you some numbers, the reason why people are talking about the risk to sudden upside moves in interest rates or uh, continued move in interest rates, look at it this way. Let, let's say, uh, and I did this a while back, but I still got the example. We had a U.S. Treasury, and let's, let's use a U.S. Treasury, that's paying 2.5%. I know we're, we're more... We're higher than that now, but for this example, it's it's the basis points or the percent, uh, the change in rates that matters. And so a 2.5% bond, if we had a two-year maturity or a two-year duration, a modified duration, so a bond that expires or matures in two years doesn't necessarily have 
two years of modified duration exposure to interest rate change. But I'll talk about that in a second um, because that gets a little more complicated. But the back of the napkin is if you had a move from 2.5% to 3.5% and you had, a let's say, a treasury that matured in, in two years, that type of move would mean a negative 1.9% change to the market value in your bond, meaning as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Let's say that rates today or tomorrow went up 200 basis points. So when I say 200 basis points, uh, if rates went from 2.5 to 4.5, that's a that's a difference of 2%. But when we say basis points, that 2.00, let's say it's 2.01 to kind of put it in plainer terms, that 0.01 is one basis points. And so sometimes instead of saying it went up 2.01% or 2%, you might say, well, it went up 200 basis points. And that's what they're talking about. But if you went up... 200 basis points on that two-year uh, would be down roughly 3.8%, a drop in market value. You'd still get uh, the coupon payments or the payments, um, we call it the coupon, what it's paying annually. If we go out to five years, though, that 100 basis point rise in rates would be a market value loss of approximately 45 4.6%. 200 basis points would be down about 8.9%. You go to 10 years, it's about eight and a half, sixteen percent drop. Twenty year, it's about you know, negative fourteen percent, negative twenty six percent. The inverse happens if you get a drop in rates. A drop in rates is favorable for the market values of your bonds. And so, to kind of flip the switch on this, if you went down in rates by hundred basis points, let's say on a on a two year um, Treasury note or Treasury bill, you would gain about two percent. On a five-year, a 100-point drop would be about a plus 4.8, and a 200-basis-point drop in rates would be a positive 9.9. It goes to you know, positive little over 9%, little over 19% positive move on the 10-year, and then 20-year, believe it or not, would be about plus 38% and plus 11%, the higher number, meaning rates have dropped 200-basis points. And so that's kind of the, I say it's the back of the napkin because a bond, a 20-year bond doesn't have necessarily have sensitivity as 20 years, and I'm using air quotes if you could see me, um, because you've got to modify the duration based upon um, the coupon, the cash flows, and, and things like that. But just to give you an idea, remember that rates peaked in 1982. You could get a, a three-month treasury or heck, a 15-month treasury, or I'm sorry, a 30-year treasury back then paying about 15%. Imagine having that now. Remember, rates are currently uh, just a little bit north of 3%. But this is important to understand what happens, the relationship between interest rates and bonds. When interest rates drop, as they did for you know, 30, 35 years, you had a really a wind at the back of bond market values. And so not only did the bonds pay out more in interest, but they also gained in market value. Let's say if you had a bond fund, and the longer the duration, the greater they gained. And so that's why when you hear people talking about, hey, we've just had a 35-year bull run in bonds, that means it's for 35 years, interest rates have been coming down from the, the 1982, early 1982 highs, and you have all that, um, that positive effect of the change in market value. And so that's an important thing to remember. 
Now, one of the things that uh, that you're going to hear is, well, first, let's talk about modified duration, okay? I just gave you the back of the napkin. When we talk about the modified duration, the modified duration is actually really what the, let's say you have a, a 10-year bond, okay? And you wanted to figure out more precisely what its real sensitivity to a change in interest rates is. What you've got to do is you've got to look at, uh, remember we talked about the present value of those future cash flows. You've got to take a look and, and see what the present value of those interest payments are to you. So you bring those forward. And another way to look at this too is, you know, if, if you think about, let's use that 30-year example. If you had a 3% 30-year bond, over 30 years, uh, you'd receive interest payments. So you pay your $1,000, assuming you bought it at par, meaning you know exactly $1,000. You can buy bonds at higher than par. You can buy them lower than par. When interest rates drop, bonds tend to rise in price. And so if they had that effect, you'd be buying them above par. But let's say you buy that one for $1,000. And for 30 years, you get 3% a year, you get $30. After 30 years, you will have received you know, 30 years worth of, of payments. So that's $900. And then, of course, you get back your $1,000 at maturity, assuming the US government doesn't default, right? Well, let's say you had a 30-year bond, but instead the coupon, meaning the annual interest that you're going to be paid, is 10%. And so at 10%, you get $100 a year. And by the way, over 30 years, you receive $3,000 in gross interest payments. And so one of the ways to look at this is how quickly you can actually recoup your principal. And so in the latter case of a 10% coupon, you would actually get you know, your initial $1,000 uh, that you put into the bond, you would get that back after 10 years. And so the way that this works is the lower the duration to maturity, the less modified duration or duration risk that you have. The higher the coupon, the lower the modified duration. Why? Because you're getting more interest paid. There's a higher coupon rate. Uh, you're getting back your principal faster. And the price of the bond also has an effect on that. And so to give you an example, I went back and, well, let's say I pulled a 10-year bond. Let's say our, our coupon rate was 3.25%. And let's say that the required rate of return right now is about 3.25% as well. Meaning you bought the bond today at 3.25%. And by the way, that's what the 10-year bond is paying. Now, it's a $1,000 bond. You get paid twice a year. If you run the numbers based upon the cash flows, the price, the duration, remember it's a 10-year bond, the modified duration winds up being uh, about 8.48 years. And so if you had a, a rise in interest rates by 100 basis points or 1% today or tomorrow, you would expect to have the sensitivity not at 10 years, uh, but about 8.48%, meaning roughly you'd lose about 8.48%. But here's the difference. And I pulled a bond from 1976. Why 1976? Well, stay tuned because I'm going to use an example from that very year. I believe it was 1976 
but the the coupon rate on the 10 year back then was 10.39%. Meaning you could buy a 10 year US Treasury bond and every year you get 10.39%. Doesn't sound too bad in this interest rate environment where in fact we've had a decade of record low rates. But when you run the numbers on that modified duration, counting for the the present value of the cash flows and sort of when you get paid back and how quickly you get paid back, the mathematics behind it come up with a modified duration of about 6.13%. And so not only does that bond pay you more back then, but its modified duration, i.e. your sensitivity to interest rates, is actually lower. And so because of the high coupon rate, it was less, it had less risk of the market value dropping should rates go up from that point. And so that's an important thing to remember. And I said there's really two things that I think a lot of people are getting wrong when they try and compare how bonds did or the total return of bonds in the late 70s as interest rates rose and reached their peak in 1982. This is the first thing. The first thing is the modified duration wasn't the same. The sensitivity to interest rate changes wasn't the same. And primarily that's because of how much more in interest these bonds are paying compared to what they're paying now. And so modified duration is certainly an important thing. The other thing I mentioned that time period, um, and if we look back, and this is actually in the book Broken Pie Chart, of course, I'll link to my book, uh, but I did a whole chapter and I actually titled it, Why Bonds Past Performance Can't Equal Future Results. And essentially, the argument is that you know bonds typically, on an annual basis over time, they sort of return what their coupon is. That's what it it averages out to be. In fact, I heard Jack Vogel, the famous uh, you know Vanguard um, you know person who's been very pro ETFs, exchange traded funds, he was on one day and he said, "Look, you know rates are pretty much re- total returns are pretty much going to be what your coupon is." But to give you an example, you know, starting in 1970, the coupon rate, and so by coupon, I mean a 10-year bond, that's what it was paying. It was about 6.39%. Well, by 1980, it had gone up to, to 12.84%. And so did I say 1976? Okay, 1979 is the year I'm going to tell you about, though. So 1979, you had 10-year bonds with a coupon rate of 10.39%. And the following year, rates went up by 245 basis points. In 1980, it was 12.84%. And you might say, well, wait a second. You just told me that if you went up by you know, 200 basis points, uh, or you know, in this case, 245 basis points, you should lose um, quite a bit on, on that type of bond. Well, Remember though, and this is the second thing, I think the major thing that people don't necessarily remember about comparing the last time we had rising rates. And by the way, I'm not suggesting, uh, we don't necessarily know what interest rates are going to do. Uh, but anytime that interest rates rise, we start to hear different commentary. And 1970 to 1980 or 1970 to 1982 is one of those periods. But to give an example, rates went up 245 basis points the total return was only a loss of 2.99% for that year. And you might say, wait a second, how's that possible? They went up that much. Well, if you looked at the market value only change, they would have lost over 15%, close to 
But remember, you had all of those interest payments. And so if you're yielding close to 13%, you have a buffer to the downside. In other words, your market value could lose 13%, but if your interest payments on the bond were 13%, you're essentially flat for that year. And so that's, I think, the second thing that people don't really understand, or, or I think they sort of get wrong when you say, well, interest rates have gone up before quite a bit, and the total returns or the annual total returns weren't that bad, especially if you look at, let's say, a 10-year treasury. But when you have yields that aren't 10.39%, aren't 15%, and they're much lower, a rise in rates, meaning it would impact market values on a negative basis, those don't have the cushion they did back then because the interest payments, you know, I just showed you that bond was 10.39. The other one I compared it to is 3.25. You're just not getting a lot of interest. Plus, remember, your modified duration, your sensitivity to a change in interest rates is actually higher on these lower coupon bonds. And so there's a different type of risk that's uh, that's present right now. And again, I'm not saying that uh, there's going to be a crash in bonds or anything like that. Uh, but those of you who listen to the podcast know generally that I view bonds, especially with these low rates, as not particularly useful in a portfolio. I view them more as a funding source uh, to get long the markets and then uh, be able to use those those interest payments to sort of build hedges around those. And I'll link to an episode we did where we talked about hedged equity strategies and also on buffered equity strategies as well. And so I think it's really important to remember that. Uh, the other thing I'll I'll say too is that um, you know there's interest rates are really interesting in that historically, and we, we've never we've never been at least in most people's lifetimes uh, this low. In fact, the interest rates were sort of at a 500 year low. Uh, we still see negative rates in places like Switzerland and Japan, in Germany, at, at certain places on, on their curve. Um, and so there are parts of the world that still have negative interest rates, believe it or not. But I thought it was really interesting um, to kind of think back. And somebody passed me an article recently. And the article they passed me was an excerpt from February 1982 in the New York Times. And in this article, the title of the article, and I'll link to it, of course, in the show notes for this episode, but the title of the article was, uh, remember, from February 1982, record set on 30-year U.S. bonds. And the subheading was 14.56% yield on a 30-year bond. Could you imagine now buying a bond that pays you just about 15% a year for the next 30 years? You'd probably take that and then some. And, but that's what was available back then. But it was really fascinating. And it just kind of shows even back then, people were saying, well, wait a second, I'm not really sure if I want to buy a bond like this, because what if rates go higher and I miss out on getting a higher rate? And so nobody really knew where the ceiling was on rates. I mean, it was 10% high, it was 11% high. You had rampant inflation. And but you know, combing the article, um, a couple of things point kind of struck me. One, there was a quote, and this is uh, they're quoting James Lowry. Uh, it says he was a president of an investment banking firm, bearing his name. Uh, 
His quote was, in the article, I just don't see how the investor can lose with yields this high. Remember, this is from February of 1982. He says, traders are going to send the market up and down, and it would be foolhardy to get in their way. But I think the continued decline in inflation will be recognized one day and lead to the biggest bull market for bonds you ever saw. This 14% issue could easily trade at a price of 150 if the market gets going. And boy, was he right. Um, in fact, this is February of 82. There was a bull market in bonds all the way, I would say, to 2016, you know, 2017, when we saw the, you know, the absolute low in, in rates. Um, so remember, and he, when he says that bond could trade at a price of 150, really, really saying is it could be worth 1500, meaning it could appreciate 50% because there was so much of a drop in interest rates. And remember, interest rates go down, bond prices go up. But it's really interesting too. You look at this, and you know, not everybody was sort of uh, you know on board with buying treasuries and saying, "Hey, this could be a really, really big opportunity." Um, somebody said in here, uh, I don't try to look for his name. It looks like this is uh, someone from T. Rowe Price, uh, Vernon Reed, Assistant Vice President at T. Rowe Price. He actually said, "Why buy the long bond?" when the future is so uncertain and higher returns are available in the money markets. Uh, can you imagine that? I mean, what he's essentially saying is, hey, don't lock in this rate of return for 30 years when things are uncertain. And by uncertain, I'm paraphrasing, and I'm, I'm sort of uh, summating that this is what he, he meant. Hey, we don't know if rates are going to go higher. Um, so instead, just stay in the money market or in certificates of deposit. In fact, it's quoted here that Bond equivalent basis uh, were about 15.5% for large certificates of deposits issued by commercial banks. Uh, but imagine that, I mean, saying, hey, let's, let's stay, let's not lock this up at 15%. We don't know if rates are going to go higher. And so in hindsight, of course, had you had, if you had the opportunity to go back uh, or had the opportunity today, God, I mean, you know, we're a little over 3% on the 30-year. Um, you could have locked that in for years and years. And what's really interesting is that of late, we have seen very little real return from bonds. Uh, now, to put into perspective, the aggregate U.S. aggregate bond index, by the way, uh, year to date is down just a little bit under five percent. Uh, historically, that that would be, you know, a pretty big down year for that uh, that index. And I can certainly link to, uh, I think I've got some numbers from 1980 on. You can take a look at that. But remember, bond prices go down, uh, or interest rates go down, bond prices go up. And so, but the other thing is we talk about a real return. And real return is there's the nominal return. So let's say you are in 3% in a bond. That's your nominal interest or your nominal re, you know, interest return, right? Your payment. But let's say if inflation is 2.5%. Well, your real return is the difference between your nominal return, which is 3%, minus inflation, and this sort of made-up example, right, 2.5%. Your real return is only 0.5 or half percent. In fact, for on the short end, there's been close to a decade of negative or close to negative real returns on short-duration uh, bonds in the U.S. And, and in other parts of the world, and, and I mentioned in Europe and Japan, there's still sort of negative returns. So one of the things that's really interesting is if you had bought bonds during the you know, 1982 to let's say 2017 period, 
chances are the bonds that you bought had a higher real return because they bought them, they had a higher yield, and as inflation came down, or as interest rates came down, that spread between your return and inflation was much higher. And we've seen a compression um, between nominal and and rates and, and inflation, meaning compressed real returns. And so one of the things I've, I've been saying is that bonds have been paying little in a real re, on a real return basis. And that's, again, why um, it's not that I hate bonds. Uh, bonds have a place, but I think they are better served, again, as a funding source for other things and uh, other things meaning getting along uh, different parts of the market, but then using them as a funding source to, to hedge the downside. And that, to me, is a little more interesting. So that's, uh, that's going to be our talk on bonds. Uh, hopefully that was sort of interesting to you. I know uh, sometimes bonds are one of those things that people use a lot of acronyms and, and definitions and different things, but hopefully that cleared up somewhat or hopefully uh, quite a bit on how interest rates are affect the market values of bonds, where we are sort of historically. And like I said, somebody passed me that 1982 archive, and I'll post it in the, in the show notes from the New York Times. Hard to believe that you could have bought a bond in 1982 that would have paid you for the next 30 years, 15%. Uh, I mean, that's an equity-like return. So, uh, But I expect as we see the Fed raise rates, and as we see more talk about interest rates, you know, coming off those five and year lows, um, I would expect that you would hear more and more on this topic. So thought we'd get out in front of it and give you a little bit of a description and some understanding. All right, folks, that wraps up the, the show for this week. Remember, if you feel like there's some value here and, and you got something out of it, you know, people, maybe friends of yours who are interested in this type of stuff, go ahead and uh, pass them the links, share it with them. Uh, I'd, I'd appreciate it. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.